Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast. This is your host, Adam Force. I'm excited today because we're doing a little throwback. Um, a very, very popular episode. We wanted to throw it back out there because not only was it popular, but it was also very powerful insights and messages from uh, Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty uh, and I had a conversation a ways back. And so we're going to throw this back out there because we want to talk, we want to kind of like tap in again to storytelling and you know, because it's such a big part of the branding process. And as we're trying to create relationships online and actually build a customer base, um, earning trust and building relationships becomes a key part of that process. And the way we become good at doing that is understanding storytelling. And so there's a lot in here that Jay discusses that's really valuable for that process, okay? All right, guys, if you haven't been to changecreator.com in a while, we have been putting up some really fresh content um, to help you understand when you should be investing in you know, really professional website design and branding and what value those things bring to your business. Just like anything in life, there's always a timing factor. Timing matters when we do things, right? You could do the right thing at the wrong time and you can burn a year of your business or six months and, you know, you waste time. Um, and, you know, we go through some of this, but we want to avoid some of that trial and error type stuff. And we want to understand how to ask the right questions so we can make smarter decisions and do things at the right time so they're effective, right? So that's what some of that content is going to help you. It'll help you. There's content on there that's going to talk about, well, what is brand really all about and then when I should be thinking about it for my business. Um, okay. And obviously, you know, we're, we're sharing some of these insights because we run our brand studio now. This is a newer um, part of the business. So a new division of Change Creator. And we're, we were getting requests from our students in Captivate to create their websites, do their branding and things like that. So, you know, this is something that we're kind of leaning into and connecting with you guys on um, to see how we can help you on a deeper level, really get results. And so the brand studio now takes, you know, up to three or four people a month um, to work with them on their branding and things like that. And we've been working with some incredible, incredible people. So you can find it on our website through our services and uh, just reach out. We have a couple spots open for July still. I think two remain. And um, if you want to have a conversation, we basically want to take a look at your business and understand, you know, is this a good fit? Can we help you get to your goals uh, with the business? And so, yeah, we're creating sales funnels. We do things on ClickFunnels, WordPress, things like that. Um, it sounds like something you want to explore, then definitely reach out. We will help you uh, boost your sales and kind of set that stuff up online, but also establish a brand that's really in line with who you are um, and will help earn more trust, right? Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into this throwback with Jay Shetty. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Jay, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How you doing today, man? Hey, man, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. Excited to have you on here. Uh, I've been following you for a while and I love your messages. And uh, I just want to find out a little bit more about how you uh, how you do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, tell just give the nutshell. I think, you know, you, we've I, I know a lot of your background and, and, and I'm very interested in kind of tapping into specific areas. But if you can just give the listeners just a little bit of a nutshell of how you got to where you are right now. 
Absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you the quick version, but yeah. first of all, I'm just really grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do this and everyone who's listening or reading, whichever one you choose to do, uh, <laughs> sending you lots of love and grateful that you're taking the time to do this. Nice. So I'm, I'm born and raised in London, as you can probably tell from my accent, spent most of my life there, did what every normal kid in London does in their teens and ended up meeting a monk at 18 that kind of changed the trajectory of my life. I ended up spending all my summer holidays from 18 to 22, living half of it interning at some of the biggest corporate companies in the world in banking, investment banking and consulting and spending the other half living as a monk in India. Mm-hmm. By the age of 22, I fell in love with that lifestyle and I left my corporate job office behind. I left my relationships behind. I, I disconnected from the world I'd created in London to go off and live as a monk because I really wanted to dedicate my life to building meaning, fulfillment, and actually helping transform and have an impact on the lives of people around me. And I felt that being a monk allowed me to do philanthropic work, charity work, everything out there in the world, but also in my own life. So anyway, fast forward that, I did that for three years, came back to London with $25,000 worth of debt and trying to figure out what to do with my life because I'd left it all behind. And I really got fascinated because at that time, this is 2013, at that time, so many people in the world were fascinated by mindfulness, wellness, corporate burnout was growing, people were struggling with mental health and other physical challenges. And all of a sudden, all my friends who now worked for corporate companies were saying, Jay, we need your help. Like, come and teach us what you learn as a monk. You look calm and you seem <laughs> like you look well. Like, what did, you know, what did you guys do differently? So I almost did 2013 by demand and by default, became someone who was sharing all of these principles in the biggest corporate companies across the world. And I was traveling and speaking about these subjects. And then I got, I saw this rise in technology. So remember, I hadn't yet had, a, it's 2014 and I didn't yet have a social media account. Okay. I've never joined Facebook. I've never joined Twitter. I, I missed Instagram and YouTube. I was a monk from 2010 to 20. I LinkedIn account, which I think had like 500 link uh, connections or whatever it's called. Yeah. And I was like, how am I going to share what I learned if I can't reach every person on the planet? And that was always my goal. I was already sharing these messages in corporate companies and universities, but I wanted to share it with the world. I felt that I read a study or I read a piece of research that said, there are more people in the world who have access to a smartphone than a toothbrush or clean water. Yeah. And I felt that if more people have access to a smartphone, that means this wisdom can get to them for free on their smartphone and they can start making a change in their life. How do we do that? Like, how do we get to that scale? So I ended up self-skilling on social media, reading a ton of books, experimenting, trying things out. And I ended up landing a job leading social media at Accenture, which is a global consulting firm of 400,000 people across the world. And I ended up becoming their number one social media influencer for two years. And then I quit that at the beginning of 2016 so that I could just build something where I was able to share wisdom, coaching, serve the world through what I'd learned as a monk. Mm. And in 2016, I launched my first video on YouTube. I wasn't on Facebook at that time. And it did okay. It didn't do bad at all. I, I realized after the first 10 minutes that I thought the views were going up, but it was just because I was pressing refresh. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I realized I was watching my own video for a bit too long. 
and they were doing okay, but three months in, and, and I know you just said her name for, you know, she's been on your cover. Three months in, Ariana Huffington saw my videos. Yeah. And she fell in love with them and said, we want to feature your videos in the Huff Post. They featured four videos. The four videos did 100 million views uh, across them, which is the most they'd ever had on a series. And then I was invited by Ariana to host a Facebook live show on HuffPost every single day in New York City from September to 20, September 2016. Yeah. So I moved to New York September 2016 to interview everyone from Deepak Chopra to Gabby Bernstein to Russell Simmons and, and all these other incredible thought leaders in the space of self-improvement and wellness. Uh, fast forward to March last year, 2017, I... I uh, realized that things were growing so well, so I moved on from the Huff Post and built my own channels. And in the last literally 12 to 18 months, we've had, well, I've had 2 billion views, uh, now followed by over 15 million people online. And Forbes put me in their 30 under 30 for being a game changer in media, which was a really beautiful accolade to get. And more importantly, I've just been touched by how much we've been able to make wisdom go viral, like to scale something that is not funny, it's not making you feel good straight away, it's not entertainment per se in the same sense. And the fact that we have that many people who are watching and tuning in, that to me says a lot about where the world's at and what people need. So I don't look at those stats and feel egotistic. I look at them and feel grateful, humbled, and overwhelmed at where things have gone. And I'm excited for the future. So anyway, that was my trying to be short version. <laughs> but I, I didn't know what part to leave out. So sorry, I apologize. Man. No, no, you're good. You're good. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting background and one of the things that stands out to me and I was I was just wondering um, how did you go from monk to becoming a lead over at Accenture and I'm curious what lessons you took from there to um, you know your current position as, uh, on your own yeah so when I kind of came back to reintegrate into quote-unquote reality or well quote-unquote the real world I really wanted to understand people's challenges well. And that's always been part of my life. Since I was 18, I ran a society at university called Think Out Loud, where every week I'd do a session on behavioral science and philosophy, and students would come to hear me speak every week. So I've been teaching the content that I teach in my videos for the last 12 years. And when I came back, I really wanted to understand what people were struggling with and corporate made sense because that's the age I was at, that's where all my friends were and I was dealing with a lot of people, personal one-to-one -one coaching or people sharing their problems. So what I learned and, and how I made that switch over from monk to management consultant was I did it with the perspective of learning. I said to myself, I really want to learn about digital and innovation because I feel that's going to help us make this message relevant and accessible yeah. in the future. But at the same time, I really want to learn about what people are struggling with. Like, why is there a work-life balance struggle? What is the burnout rate? Like, what are the real issues people are dealing with? So I made that switch, uh, not by writing Monk on my resume, <laughs> because that was not me anywhere, but I was constantly talking about my transferable skills. I was rejected by over like 25 companies at the time. So I'm super grateful to Accenture for giving me my break. But I made that switch over simply by the desire to learn. I said to myself, I'm a student. No matter what I learned as a monk, it will not be relevant if I don't understand people's challenges today. So it was that mindset that really made me make that switch. And the second part of your question was? 
I forget. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but that was good. That's what I really wanted to tap into. Oh, um, and I, you know what it was? I was saying, um, how'd you get into Accenture, which you addressed? And then I said, uh, what did you learn from that experience that is applicable today and helped with your current uh, role? Yeah. So Accenture taught me so much. Like, I think that you, I think what, there's a beautiful, beautiful quote by Martin Luther King or from one of his speeches or written work where he said that those who love peace need to learn to organize themselves as well as those who love war. Right. And, and I love that because what it shows is that the people that are trying to cause mayhem in the world, whatever they may be, I'm not just talking about mayhem in a big scale. I'm talking about even people who just disrupt your, your community or your family or your workspace. Sometimes you find that they're actually very meticulous, they're organized, they're focused. And those of us who love peace, who love kindness, who love love, we're often less organized, we're less focused and less productive. And so what Accenture gave me was that efficiency, that effectiveness, that desire to make an impact, to be organized, to be productive in a way that allowed me to channel the wisdom, the love, the kindness, everything I wanted to share through a funnel of wanting to be actually making an impact, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And another thing that I really gained from Accenture was my social media knowledge. Like they were, when I was at Accenture, they were just growing into that digital boom and understanding the digital landscape. They were doing it earlier than their clients and being a part of that and building the digital brand at Accenture, that just gave me a ton of understanding about virtual reality, artificial intelligence, how these things, machine learning, how these things are going to affect the brain, the mind, humanity. So I wasn't looking at it from the point of view of like, how am I going to find the next billion dollar brand of artificial intelligence? I was looking at it from the point of view is how is this going to affect humanity and how can I engage this so that I can actually help make a difference in humanity and share that wisdom? So I learned about technology, social media, innovation in a way that's allowed me to really filter and give a lens to my thoughts to give them modern relevance. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of people today get very hung up on the next tactical um, solution that will help them grow. But um, I like that your approaches are always rooted with a reason for your mission, basically. So there's this inner drive that it's not that you just want to learn about technology. There was a reason for that that was much deeper, it seems. Well, that's the thing that I think we forget that I mean, see, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, very successful people who've exited huge companies, millions and billions of dollars. And they, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them will say to me, Jay, you know what? I just wasted the last 10 years of my life. And I say to them, how can you say that? Like you just exited, like anyone would love to be in your situation. They said, but I've just been doing something I don't love for 10 years. And I don't think we recognize the price of doing something without meaning for a significant amount of time. Yes. Like the price of doing something that's meaningless. See, we don't we don't destroy ourselves by burnout. We destroy ourselves by doing things that don't matter. Yes. And and I think people forget the difference between the two. So money can't replace that. Nothing can really replace that. And I'm I'm not saying money is not important. That's not my point at all. I'm just saying it can't replace it. And I think Peter Diamandis said it best. I quote him all the time. He said that we need to redefine the word billionaire 
to be meaning someone who impacts the lives of a billion people. Oh, uh, yeah. Who said that? That was Peter um, Diamandis. Peter Diamandis. Okay. Yeah, I do. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Peter, I like that. Yeah. Peter Diamandis said, it. I love it. And uh, I quote him because he talks about how if you actually figure out how to solve the problems of a billion people, then you're likely to become a billionaire. Right. It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a byproduct. And so for me, it's the intention of wanting to make wisdom go viral and to share these messages in an entertaining, relevant, innovative, and accessible way. That intention can fuel me when I'm tired. That intention can fuel me when I'm shattered. That intention can fuel me when I'm feeling unmotivated. That's what, that's where you draw your strength from. Yeah. And it's sustainable. An intentional purpose. There's just no strength. Right. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it's it's an underlying factor. And, I, and one thing that just has stood out to me that you just said is burnout versus lack of meaning. Um, yeah. I think that is brilliant. I love that. And it's so true. I know, you know, Ariana is on the mission for, you know, addressing yeah. global burnout with Thrive Global. Um, and you're right. I mean, if you have something that you love and it's it's something that means something to you and it's impacting others at the end of the day, not only is it sustainable, but it is your life at the same time. So there is no, you know, balance. It's just what you do. So burnout is not quite the same. Correct. Absolutely, man. So let's dive into a little bit about storytelling. I really want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, this is an art and a craft in itself. And I always think about, um, like, just as an example, I was telling my team the other day, I was like, you know, everywhere I look right now, I see storytelling. You know, obviously you're a master storyteller. And I was just at, um, I was just in Barcelona this past, last week. And I saw the Salvador Dali Museum and every picture that was explained to us, he has such creativity and there's multiple elements, but you always wonder, where does that really come from? And people think, oh, he's just really creative. But no, every piece of it has a very deep story that ties to his background, his experiences, his relationships. And, and that's what makes it so powerful and so great. So whether it's art or business or anything, I feel like a good story is really important. So I would love to hear your idea of what what is storytelling and what makes a good story? Absolutely. I have to owe the credit to the art, to my art teacher from when I was like, I guess in my teens, 11 to 18, I had one art teacher at school and art was one of my favorite subjects, art and design. And whenever we do a piece of art, he'd always like, whether it was a painting, I was terrible at painting, but I was pretty good at graphic. So I was terrible at fine art too. But anytime we draw something or put a collage together or do something graphically, the number one question he'd go to me is why did you do that? Like, why is that color next to that color? Why is that item on top of that item? Why is that juxtaposed next to that? Like his question would be like, why did you do that? And if I didn't have an answer, I'd get a low grade. Mm. And if I had an answer, even though it didn't look visually as good, I'd get a good grade. Because his whole point was about meaning. It was always about, are you meaningfully connecting art colors and designs and objects and themes and visions, or are you just doing it because it looks good? And, and I think that's a beautiful way of looking at storytelling. Are you trying to tell a story so that it looks good, 
Or are you trying to tell a story because it's going to be meaningful to the viewer? So the way I explain this is that there's two types of storytellers. There's two types of creators. Imagine a spectrum. Imagine one end of a spectrum and the other end. And one, of the, one end of the spectrum, you have selfish creators, what I like to call selfish creators. These are people who create simply for themselves. It's the people who get high off their own supply, right? It's like <laughs> you made a video or you wrote a book just because you thought your idea was amazing, right? Right. You think what you have to say is so amazing that you make a video that you enjoy and maybe a few of your friends tell you it's good and maybe there's a niche for you that you can grow into. But you're a selfish creator. You're only making videos because you feel like making them for yourself. That's one end of the spectrum. Nothing wrong with that. No judgment. I'm just making a just just sharing how, how it works. The other end of the scale, you have what I call uh, you have what I call sellout. Creators. So sellout creators only tell stories that they think people are going to love. They only tell stories that they think are going to go viral. They only focus on stuff that they think is going to get likes. And what happens there is you may even get likes, but you won't feel fulfilled inside. You may even get followers and views. You might not. You probably won't. But even if you did, you still won't feel like you've made an impact or anything. Right? Right. And, and that's why what I talk about is being a, a, the best storytellers are selflessly self-aware, self-aware, selfless, self-aware and selfless. So what I mean by that is the best storyteller has the deepest understanding of people's pain and problems because they've either lived through them themselves or they've lived through them with others. And then their focus is on saying, how is the best way of communicating this? And it may not be a video. It may be a written piece. It may be a whole book. It may be a speech. It doesn't have to be the same format. And then really figuring out how does this connect with people? So I always say to people that, I, I spent the last 12 years of my life sitting with people, listening to their problems. When I was a monk, I used to coach people for free, for no money, for more hours in, a, in the day than, than I could possibly do. And I would sit with them and just, just discuss their problems and help them out of it. And that gave me a much stronger understanding of human behavior. So for me, storytelling is a deep understanding of human pain, human behavior, and then the most most ideal format for communicating that. Right. It's, it's, that, it's that intersection between those three. And would you say, though, is it fair to say, I should, I should say, um, that the, the format that you use everyone is different. I mean, some people might be really good at using video. Some people might be really good writers. So would you recommend that you lean into just where you are good at putting your, your story? hundred percent lean into your strengths and be smart about how you apply that. So for example, like you just said, you may be a good writer. You can make videos that are mainly text, mm. yes. right? That, Copy, you yeah. just don't have to be on camera. Like there's a way of using video and using text. There's a way of using video and only sharing moments of you on stage because you're actually a good speaker when you're on stage. You just get scared when it's just you and the camera. Right. So my point being that, yeah, always lean into your element. That was what I didn't do for years. I was always just speaking and just writing for years before I ever did a video because I thought I didn't understand video. But that was a mistake by me because it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a mistake. I should have got to video earlier. It just wasn't, uh, I, I just didn't understand that principle myself. So I always tell people, if you are naturally a good writer, focus on writing, you don't have to suddenly become the face of your brand. 
Right. Right. Yeah, right. that makes sense. And, and you know, like everybody kind of leans into these things, I guess, when the time is right for them, right? So you start somewhere and you can start kind of working your way into other things. So, that, you know, I, I that's always something that I've always been struggling with, too. And I think a lot of people do is just getting into a regular habit of video production. And, you know, there's a little bit of strategy behind it, which I kind of want to tap into with you now is, you yeah. know, so now you're doing regular videos. And I'm curious, one, how, how many videos you're making on a regular basis in a week we do, or, yeah we do three videos a week three videos a week and then how are you approaching what topics that you should be covering um yep. is there a core mission that allows you to have some level of consistency on what these things are achieving absolutely so yeah great question so we do three videos a week the one thing i'd say is if you're reading or watching i never did three videos a week until this year and i've been making videos for about 18 months, two years that I've been going. So I used to make one video a week. So just don't feel pressured by that number because three videos a week is scary. Uh, it is. But, but yeah, so the way I approach video making is my videos are all based on a scientific study. Most people don't know that. I don't quote the study anywhere because that's part of what I love about video making and storytelling is I don't need to quote the study because if I quoted the study, I feel it loses cultural relevance because the study almost makes you want to geek out. It makes it more serious. It, it yep. takes away from the story elements. So anyway, so each one of my videos is based on a behavioral science study. It's based on a real life experience and it's based on wisdom that I learned as a monk. So that's my three prong strategy for creating any video. I first read a scientific study that I love and I'm like, wow, this is really powerful. Then I go, how do I put this into the context of a real life experience because people have to be able to relate to it. So then I think, and then I talk to my friends or my friends approach me and they're going through breakups or they're going through issues or they hate their job or whatever it may be. So then I'm filtering that study through the lens of someone who's actually been there and struggling with that if I haven't done it myself. And then the third thing I do is add the solution from what I learned as a monk. So that framework and that format allows me to build my videos in, in a way that allows me to understand the problem make it relevant and then provide a solution that works does that make sense yeah that makes perfect sense i uh, love that That's and, a nice and then in terms, yeah and then in terms of selecting topics and themes to me it's very much I'm, I'm very spontaneous i have three big themes that i cover the number one is uh, purpose passion career self-awareness that whole big bucket of yourself it's like your relationship with yourself Yep. The second thing that I talk a lot about is your relationship with others. So that's dating, breakups, relationships, friendships, network, etc. So that second thing is not just your relationship with yourself, but your relationship with others. And then the third thing that I cover often is your relationship with the world. So whether that be with what's happening out in the world, whether it's your relationship with technology, whether it's your relationship with your community, whatever it is. So the third is your relationship with the world. So you could say that my guiding principle on my content creation is it has to be about your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others and your relationship with the world. That's kind of the three big themes that I, I focus on, which to me covers everything pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pretty much talk about everything. <laughs> but, but I'm, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to make timeless content. None of my content. I want people to be able to watch my videos in 10, 20, 30 years and feel that it still makes sense. Absolutely. And that, that is a root. I think the commonality you see in, you know, it, there is alignment between these things and it is about 
it is purposeful content. And I think when you talk about spreading wisdom, that wisdom is the right word to define it because wisdom is timeless and it is things that will always hold true and provide value to people just on the, the core basis and ideas of just life, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that a lot. And so it has to be timeless. I mean, one of my, a lot of my videos I wrote as monks in, as a monk in the sense that they weren't written as scripts for videos. They were notes on reflections as a monk. Mm, Yeah. So, so a lot of my videos, I wrote the scripts of them 10 years ago when I lived, uh, sorry, eight years ago when I lived as a monk. So those are videos that have gone viral today, but the message is still relevant. It still makes sense eight years ago and eight, eight years on. Awesome. And listen, I don't want to get too tactical, but I'm going to ask this question because I think it'll, if the answer is what I assume, um, I might put some people's minds at ease a little bit. Um, so when you started not, not with what you're doing right now, the three videos a week, but let's say when you're doing one a week or whatever it was, you're getting started, things are picking up. Um, what was the tactical setup? I mean, you're using an iPhone, who's doing the editing, did you do it yourself? I mean, people get overwhelmed by this. I, I agree. I, Okay, I'm, I'm, I have a confession, which I don't think many people, maybe they don't, I don't know. I don't think I talk about this too much. I don't think people know. So I don't know how to use a camera. Okay. I have no idea how to switch one on. Like, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I have no idea how to frame a shot. I have no idea how to hold a camera. I have, I have no idea how to charge one. I don't know anything about cameras. Awesome. So I outsource everything that I'm not great at unless... I have to do it because I don't know someone. So when I first started making videos, my friend is a videographer. I begged him to do a favor for me. Uh, I remember I did not pay him on the first day of our shoot because we went out as friends and we shot for about four hours and we made four videos or we shot for about four to six hours and we made four videos. And I edited them all myself and I taught myself how to edit. So I spent about, I used to spend about five hours a night for five days a week to create a video that was five minutes. Yes. And when I first started out, so I used to edit all my own stuff. Now I believe in working on good production. Like one of the things that I think really helped me from the beginning is my friend's a great videographer and we always made things that looked premium quality. Right. And that made it a lot easier for brands, companies, institutions to reach out to me and want to work together because they felt that there was a premium product there, even though it was just me in my bedroom. Right. right. And, and so I always encourage people to be as premium as they can in the sense of, I'm not telling you to go out there and spend loads of money on buying the latest kit. I don't own anything. I don't own any camera gear, but I work with people that I trust and, and I pay people now, but originally I just asked for favors from friends and I'm sure you've got friends that are photographers, videographers, whatever it may be, or editors even right. asking them for their help. We all have communities nowadays. There's a way of trading skills, trading expertise, make it work. Like, like use your network, use your community and, and help them grow as well in whatever way you can add. So, so my initial tactic was find the quickest and easiest way to do this. I had to teach myself how to edit because I didn't know any editors. And, and now, uh, yeah. So at that time that that's, that was my tactical approach. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, that makes sense. Don't use your iPhone. Don't, don't do it in that way because I feel what it does is it creates a brand unless, unless that applies with your theme, like unless your theme is very raw, rough and ready, which is amazing, then use your iPhone all you want. But if you're trying to share a message that you want to have more longevity, I think you have to put in a bit more production time. That's just my thought. Because even if you look at, 
if you look at the way things have changed, like if you look at the YouTubers who started 10 years ago, their vlogs were very much on their iPhone. Even their vlogs now, just to camera, look so well produced because we're so used to seeing good produced like content now. It's just become normal to expect it. It does make a difference. And it's that first, you know, um, you know, when first impression. Yeah. First impression. It's just exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, people don't have to get overwhelmed. I think for a couple hundred bucks, if you were doing once a month, just to get a nice video out there, you could probably get someone to help you out or you do a service trade, like you said, but, um, I've always been skeptical about doing the iPhone stuff and I've done things like that. And every time I try to publish something, I'd be like, ah, I just don't feel good about that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an advocate of just using your phone because I just feel that people really, uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, the first impression is huge yep. and it really builds a brand credibility from day one. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. That was interesting. And I want to I just want to uh, get into. OK, so we talked about storytelling. We talked about the process. Um, Wait, and- you want to do you want me to touch on that transactional versus transformational? That's exactly where I'm going with it. Let's, let's segue into that area now because, you know, um, you know, we believe that every good business, whether it's a personal brand like yourself or you have a company that's selling a product and whatever, you still need a really good story that people can align to um, for for the company. And how do you start applying that story to the, the, the business? And I think when you get into some of that transactional versus transva- transformational, um, it kind of ties into it. So if you could talk about those things, what they mean to you, I'd like to get into that. Yeah. It's as simple as this, that you have to live the stories you want to tell, right? The the issue is too many people are trying to tell stories they've never lived. Yeah. And you can't tell a story you've never lived. If you've never climbed Everest, I haven't, I'm just saying, if you've never climbed Everest, you can't tell that story no matter. And you can be a great storyteller and fake it, and you can make it up and you can make it sound real from all your research. But I'll tell you one thing, you may sell your product, but you're literally gonna feel like a sellout yourself. Like you're just gonna feel so broken inside. And because so much of what I do is based on personal fulfillment as well, you can't sell something you don't live and don't believe in. So my first point is, is that, that you have to live the story you want to tell. If you really believe that your product, your brand, your wisdom, your insight is life-changing, you've gotta be doing it every day. Because if you're not, it's like saying, it's like saying, imagine you become a brand ambassador for uh, Nike trainers, but your favorite trainers are Adidas, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, or you become the face of Apple when you use Samsung every day. Like that just doesn't make sense. And that's why we struggle with storytelling because we're not telling stories that we've lived, believed in and practiced. Right. So that, that's point number one. And that really links to the second point about transactional storytelling and transactional purpose. Right versus transformational. I believe that people want to be associated with brands, companies, people that are aspirational and transformational, not just informational and transactional. And what I mean by that is every company on Amazon can sell you the same thing. Like there is nothing anymore that isn't copied. You could get a phone that looks exactly like an iPhone 10, but that doesn't have the Apple logo on it, right? Like everything has been commoditized. Everything's easy to find. Everything can be copied. But the reason why we all select particular brands to work with, particular companies to be associated with is because we bought into their brand story because their story is transformational. So if it was just transactional, all of us would drive cars with no logos and drive phones with no logos. Right. 
and and wear clothes with no logos. But our clothes give us an identity. Our our vehicles give us an identity. Our homes give us an identity. And therefore, especially brands that are trying to make a difference in the world, we have to adopt transformational identities. You can't just simply remain at that transactional level. Now, if you're a knockoff iPhone charger, you can be as transactional as you like. But if you're trying to make a dent in the world and impact the universe and, and, and change people's lives, then I think it's really important to A, live through the transformation you're saying your product brand or whatever it is can can give. And then to really give it in a way that's that's genuine and, and sincere as opposed to selling and and just about the profit. Does that Sense? Does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I love that. And I think it's so important, especially for people who are listening to this show. I mean, this is what we're about. We are, you know, about redefining what good business really is and using it as a tool for social and environmental change. And you know, this is something that a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, I'm behind that, but they are not um, necessarily living it to your point. And so if you really want to have a business that people can get behind, I think the transformational approach is going to be obviously really important. Um, you know, we interviewed the woman from Swell. Her name is Sarah. She made, she sells water bottles. They're just, it's just a water bottle. They've been selling water bottles for decades, right? But yeah. she made, turned it in over just like five or six years into a hundred million dollar business because she's replacing plastic bottles. She's got, she has a cause and a story. So you could see the power of storytelling there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And you talk so, about being content led versus marketing, um, marketing versus content focused. Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. I, so you talk about um, I heard you talk about so that some you have to be focused that a lot of companies will focus on marketing. They say, here's my crappy content and I'm just going to market the hell out of it. Or you create really good content. You lead with content first as the priority and create high quality. Um, and you were just kind of talking about that. So I just wanted to lean into it to kind of play off the storytelling factor, because a lot of people get wrapped up in the idea of I just need lots of content out there versus high quality content. Yeah, what, what I mean by that, there's a few things here, there's a few pieces. One of the first pieces is that content is going to gain real traction. I, you can put as many ads out as you want. You can put out as many quick videos as you like. You can put out as many email builders as you like, but you're not building real credibility, brand authenticity, or, or engagement with anyone. So you can grow your followers just either by buying them or through ads or whatever you want to do. And all you've gained is a number, but that number has no substance. And so content is important because if someone watches your video, they have a transformation experience, whether it's a inspiration, whether it's a, a learning point, whether it's a light bulb moment, whatever it is, when they then follow you and want to see your content, you've gained someone because you've had an impact on their life. That's huge. Right. But if you've just gained someone because of a follower or a recommendation or whatever, it's not as big. And I think people forget that. The second thing I'll say about the point you're making is I don't believe in just flooding the internet with a ton of stuff of you every day that you haven't really thought about, that you haven't really reflected on, that you haven't really absorbed. I, I usually spend, and, and most people wouldn't know, but I usually spend about a month meditating on a video idea before it goes out. Hmm. Like I'll just let a video build in my head. So if I have an idea for a video last week, I'll just let that, that idea kind of like cook. 
And, and I often feel like we share uncooked ideas right. and it's literally like giving someone uncooked food. And if you give someone uncooked food, they'll struggle to digest it. And content's exactly the same. You can't give people uncooked content. I love and, that. And so you've got to cook your content yourself and maybe eat it first as well uh, <laughs> before. Like sometimes I think what we do is we make content that we need to hear as opposed to making content that we want to share and other people need to hear. Yeah. And so you, so you have an idea and you think it's cool and you put out the video and then you're like, oh, wait, I should have thought about it more. And, and that's that's what I mean by the uncooked idea versus a cooked idea. So I cook my ideas first. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it makes sense. And, you know, I don't you're right. I mean, I think today we're such a saturation of content that there's probably not enough thought being put into the content being produced. People are just eager to get content out. Correct. Correct. And, and I think we live in a, we definitely live under the content pressure space, but all I'd say to someone is put the time up front. So, so there's two, there's two schools of thought here. One school of thought is just get stuff out. It's good to get started and then you'll learn. I agree with that. If you're going to learn, right? Like you can get content out tomorrow, but then are you going to reflect, learn, or are you just going to keep doing the same thing again and again and hoping for a different result? Or you think beforehand, reflect beforehand, and put out something that you've really thought about. I don't think either are wrong or right. I think the point is we should always be trying to improve. So if, if someone watches my videos from start to finish, one thing I've always aspired to do is that my videos have always evolved in production, evolved in storytelling, evolved in, and I'm always trying to push myself to the next level of storytelling and not settle for what's already working. Right. right. So I keep doing what's working, but I won't, I won't stop until I invent the next format because that's a, what's fulfilling to me, but B also because I believe that we can always refine and learn and grow and become better at anything we're doing. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, the last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Um, I just think it's a really important point and I think that you uh, know it very well and it has to do with mindset. Um, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, so many people get very caught up. Like, you know, we talk about things like lead pages and click funnels and that's like so popular. They're so eager to have this new tool solve their problem with their business. Um, um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, well, the first and most important thing, which is the inner game is how you think and how you, um, you know, uh, what you do every day with your time. So can you talk a little bit about the inner game as a foundation to success? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I believe very strongly that if you're not, and not that you're ever completely this, but if you are not satisfied, positive, growing, learning, kind, compassionate yourself, then you can't really put that out into the world. Mm. And it starts from just having a deep intention. We're not perfect. All our actions are not perfect. I'm not perfect, but what we can have be as close to perfect as possible is our intention. Right. And that's the strongest part of our inner game. Like an intention very simply is why you do what you do. And are you doing it just for money, fame, followers, or are you doing it for impact, growth, and changing people's lives? Are you doing it because it looks good or are you doing it because it feels good for everyone? And I think just that slight adjustment, I give the analogy that I love of planting a seed in a garden. If you plant a seed, when you plant a seed and it starts to grow, what often grows around it is a weed. 
And so a seed is like positive intention and a weed is negative intention. So a positive intention is making a difference. A negative intention is ego. And what often happens is that the weed gets so close to the seed that the weed looks like the seed growing. Mm. And so we often forget why we started. We have the weed strangle our seed and bring it down because our motivation or intention changed. So I always talk about just refining my intention daily. Every day, new opportunities will come, whether they'll be financial, whether they'll be uh, beneficial to you and not to others, whatever it is. And just refining that intention and always sticking to want to do what's right. Uh, uh, what did I, I shared something recently that I just want to quote. I'm trying to find it because uh, it made a lot of sense when I said it. I think it was... Uh, uh, doing the right thing, even if no one is doing it, is still right. And doing the wrong thing, even if everyone is doing it, is still wrong. Right. And and so for me, it's intention is just really being clear about, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And the other inner game is just around, yeah, make sure you practice what you sell. Like, make sure you live it. I think just that that's just a huge point. It's so cliched, but it's it's so rare in our lives. <laughs> so authenticity. Rare. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's hard. And, and, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Again, I keep emphasizing that because I do not believe anyone's perfect. I don't believe I'm perfect, but it's an aspiration. And and the other thing I'd add to the inner game is purify, you know, like giving up ego, envy, jealousy, yourself, yes. working yes. on that is a huge way of making sure you actually make value. Because if you have ego, envy, jealousy all inside of you, you're just going to make content or products that compete with everyone else. You're not going to be thinking about the benefit of the user. You're just going to be thinking about your scalability. And and I think that that focus will eventually break you down. I know a lot of content creators who've got pressurized by how much they have to keep up with all their peers that they've actually crashed and ruined their brands in the process. Right. And so I'm very wary of that myself of just as volume increases, as uh, watch time increases, as all this increases, I'm just very careful that am I still making content from the same place I made it when I started, or am I now making content because of a pressure? Yeah, I love and, that. It's so important. Yeah, and if it's ever the second, I have to pull back and go, okay, do I really want to make this video? Mm. And that's all you have to do. It's that simple. It's not like, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. You just have to talk to yourself. <laughs> it's true. Uh, people get yeah. easily swept away, especially as their company grows. It's easy to um, get into a, a bad place. Then you lose touch with your original reasons and why. 100%. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Just keep reconnecting to why you started. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Jay, this is awesome. I really appreciate all the thoughts and insights that you shared and taking the time to do so. Um, let's give a shout out. What's the latest thing you have going on that you want to tell people about and how can they find more about you? Uh, tell me more. Uh, let me think. Uh, that's a really interesting question. So many exciting things going on. Uh, I'm doing a ton of great content on Facebook at the moment, doing a lot more higher production value, a lot more series based stuff. So if you don't already follow me on Facebook, then there's lots of exciting stuff coming there. Uh, I'm working on my book, which people be, I think there's been a lot of people asking me to write for a while. I'm, I'm still working on it. It's not coming out anytime soon, but it's, uh, it's something I'm working on heavily right now for anyone who's been asking or, or thinking about it so that's that's pretty cool too mm-hmm. and I just moved to LA so I'm excited for what that's going to bring nice. so I literally, I literally just moved here around three days ago cool so excited to be here but uh, a lot more coaching programming courses coming out too so keep an eye out for that 
Uh, we, we launched something called my genius group coaching in January and we've had thousands of people take part and it's made such great transitions for people either from better health, better mindset, better relationships with their family. We've had some huge tangible results. So it's been really fun to see that kind of from the videos, people then getting more value from actually having, helping me group coach them and bring other thoughts and ideas into their life. So yeah, that's really, man. That's really uh, exciting. Thank you, man. Yeah. So, yeah. guys, you can check Jay out here, jshetty.me, J-A-Y-S-H-E-T-T-Y.me. Got a nice website, a lot of uh, info, videos, obviously YouTube, Facebook, all those good things. Highly recommend you follow Jay. Um, inspirational, motivational, and just lots of wisdom. Like we said, it'll be uh, it'll have a long shelf life for you. So, Jay, thanks again for joining the show. Really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate Appreciate it. You got it. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 